Who's the person you turn to when you need advice? The person who gives you confidence and strength? The person who's been your biggest support? The person you shop with, ask their opinion and trust them implicitly? For me, it's... Hi, Ma. Hi, Del. As a mother and daughter, we know we have a close bond, but each mother and daughter relationship is unique and different, and that's exactly what we want to explore. Each week, we'll sit down with mothers and daughters and talk about their bond, from the ones who work together to others who have survived, shared passions, overcome loss, and in general, have a great relationship that is worth sharing. This is Mothers Mothers and Daughters Daughters Podcast. Hello. Hi, Del. (laughs) How are you? Good. Happy International Daughters' Day. Thank you. I can say, I know. Yeah, I can't, unfortunately, but that's okay. Happy International Sons' Day. I think they deserve one. I don't honest. know. Do they have one? I'm sure they. I'm sure they have one. Every day is International Sons Day. Anyway, was a lovely, concerned. lovely little you know Instagram post or repost of all well, our wonders. Yeah, yeah, it's lovely. Yeah, it's nice to look back. I know you go. Wow, interview them, them, and you know. Well, this is episode. 22, so. Oh, we made it. We made it to the, there's yeah. some statistic, I was just say, for everyone yeah. to know, that if you make it past 21 episodes, it's in the top, I think it was in the top 10% of podcasts. Anyway, so we made it. Yeah. We're in the top 10% of podcasts. Um, so, yeah, so keep rating and reviewing cause, and listening because climbing up the charts in the relationships would be good. Category, and if anybody has any any suggestions or recommendations that, you know, we yeah. don't know any, about, please. Or any new segment ideas. I might introduce a new one. I think the conversation starters, those that we got it from school, you know, how we asked those questions around the dinner table when we were on the phone the other week. You've forgotten already. It was like if you could invite one person over to dinner, oh, yes, you know, yes, those kind yes. of things. Yes, that I think, was really good. I think we should yeah. have our own mothers and daughters one and just randomly ask one at the in our lightning round. Yeah. I was yeah. thinking about that. Yeah, that was good. Everybody, everybody's got merch. their own opinion who they'd want to have around the dinner table. Yeah, we had some good answers on social that was a lot of fun. So we'll we'll keep doing those every now and again and maybe we'll just have mothers and daughters merch one day. Anyway, on to this week's episode with Bryony and her mum, Denise. What an absolute, I mean, inspiration probably doesn't quite cut it. No, no. She is incredible. She has written a book recently called Life is Tough, But You So Are You. And it is absolutely incredible. What it's almost a guide as well as her experience going through cancer, which she was diagnosed in her early 30s and after feeling tired, that was it. Mm. And it took quite a bit to get the diagnosis, to get the diagnosis which yes. must, you know, like it's really, it's Very just frustrating. Th- these days you, you just can't believe that it just takes so long. Mm. Well, and her really in tune and her mother yes, in tune with their bodies and how they feel that they weren't prepared to accept the diagnosis. That's right. It was her It was her mum and her dad saying, no, this isn't right. You've actually, you've you got to keep asking and, and we had, they. I think they said they had a family friend you'll hear in the episode who had had a, uh, had the same as Bryony and that's how it was like the night sweats and everything mm, that mm. they were like, we yeah, should well, see yeah, a specialist. That, that's, that sounds, yeah. you know, like what we've been through or we, yeah. we know what that, that is anyway. But it's amazing to see somebody come out of cancer so positively. Yeah. Um, you I know? mean, the whole time she was just a ray of sunshine and her mum um, as you'll hear, they have the most amazing relationship and her mum was her rock mm. as well as her dad and, and her sister. Um, but she really just said, I'm going to go into this with such a positive attitude and she did and 
And the kindness they showed to people yeah. going through it as well, mm, you know, to the nurses and the doctors absolutely. and anyone who was obviously experiencing chemo at the same time. Obviously, it was pre-COVID, so, you know, her mum could be with her um, and made friends with obviously people who were going through it at the same time. But if you were going through a hard time or just looking for a great read, I would highly recommend Bryony's book and she's just an absolute delight to speak with and I'm sure you'll really enjoy this episode. Agree. All right. See you for episode 23. Hmm. All right, let's kick off. Can you share a little bit about yourselves? Yeah, well, uh, my name's Bryony. Uh, I've, um, I suppose, you know, it's been a bit of an interesting few months for me, a really exciting few months because I've just bought out my book, That's Life amazing. is Tough, but So Are You. Oh, thank Beautiful. you. And, and it comes off the back of, I suppose, my journey through cancer and out the other side. I documented the process, uh, made a little video of it, which went viral. And off the back, a publisher reached out and said, we'd love to tell, um, turn this into a helpful guidebook. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's sort of been the last little patch of time for me. And sitting beside me is my amazing mother, mm-hmm. who is like mm-hmm. a superhuman and a super, you know, like really a super mum. And no, nothing showed me that more than when I was going through cancer. And mum was just my rock that was there for me every single step of the way. So I'll let you oh, introduce darling. yourself, mum. Oh, that's so inspiring. It is. I think all mothers, we just have this in us, you know, they're of our body, these beautiful children that we mm. have. Mm. And, um, yeah, so my name's Denise and I'm mother of Bryony and um, I have twins, Molly and Rihanna as well. And, yeah, I don't know well, what part You're an amazing, say. you can say whatever. Mum was, oh. was an incredible uh, primary school teacher by trade originally. Yeah, I did primary, which is a great base for being a mother, I found out later. <laughs> I think it is. I, I have to say after homeschooling, well, after homeschooling, I realise being a teacher, it gives you patience that parents do not have. Yes, 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 generally. And and sort of like you're forward thinking all the time when you're teaching, you're thinking what, what, where this can go or, or what outcome you're wanting and, and which way to sort of move them to it. And I found with mothering actually it worked, it worked really well. So we had like a growing up, we had um, with the children growing up, it was like a mini sort of, Preschool wasn't in the in the family room and you know yeah 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 and, and mum's and mum still to this day unfortunately doesn't have any grandchildren yet but like we have cupboards at, at home full of toys and mm. puzzles she's prepared that's yeah. the best as long as you're prepared yes. and any child that comes over they just have the best afternoon oh. at that. So good, yes. good, yeah, good to be prepared with all those toys and crafting things in the in the cupboard, obviously. Yeah, and I take my hat off to teachers doing this through lockdown. You know, like they they work so hard normally, and, and especially teachers that have I, I know of a couple that have their children at home as well, and they're trying to teach, and we just do not give them the credit, you know, that they're due teachers. Mm, yeah. And and going through this and going through Brighton's treatment, which she'll talk about, but the nurses and the workload on nurses now with COVID and the doctors, you know, we just keep expecting them to stretch and stretch and stretch mm, and stretch. Mm. That's right. And I'm really worried about the breaking point, you know, mm. for so of these yeah. beautiful people. They're angels and they're unsung mm. heroes. <laughs> Brownie did that in her video. She said angels and doctors are, uh, nurses and doctors are angels on earth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so tr- It's so true. It really is. I was just going to add to mum's story. Um, after primary school teaching, I suppose she had the three of us and then we, um, my dad's a vet and mum sort of ran, you know, helped run the family vet clinic for many, many years. And so she's also incredibly entrepreneurial, an amazing marketer, businesswoman. Um, yeah, and so it was really fun growing up in a family vet practice. That's um, lovely. I'm sure, that would be, um, for kids, that's just great. Great. We had a lot of different animals at home. I was going to ask you how, how, like, you must have had, yes, a lot of animals. I think at the top count, we had six dogs. Wow. 
yeah. plus the chickens, plus, plus the horses, the and a goat, and a goat that was really tricky. <laughs> they didn't like life very much. And then people would bring their animals in, and if they couldn't bury them, they would get buried at our place. So there were quite a few. Oh, gosh. Burials. And then also the snakes that would get oh, brought home snakes. and released on our property. Our neighbors weren't thrilled about oh. that. Oh. Don't see them, you know. <laughs> Killed or you know no, whatever. No, so no. yeah, and it's just really funny. We just were moving a table from in our new sort of outdoor area, which is enclosed, and we're moving the table to the outside. And friends came to help, and there was a seven foot <gasps> python wrapped around the table that had been in the house. And oh. we've been out. We've got two new puppies at the moment. Oh, been playing in that room oh. for. Gosh. Like, oh, my goodness, because it 100% could have, you know. But, yeah, it's turned terrible. Oh, oh wow. Very lucky. Oh, yes. <laughs> goodness yes. me. Wow. Never, it was intense at times, our house, like most houses, but it was never dull. Mm. No, sure. <laughs> no, it doesn't sound like that at all. And, and Denise, what was Bryony like growing up as a child? Yes, she was one of those children that make you look good as a mother. Oh, she was just a darling. Mm. And, <laughs> yes, and from the minute when she was born, I had her in a birthing um, in a birthing room in Launceston and she was sort of just attached to me then forever, you know. So it's, it was, yeah, really gorgeous and um, just a gorgeous girl and always interested and always growing up, always looking at things outside of herself, which, you know, I was always very proud of with her always looking at things outside of herself and, and um, yeah, just always did things well. Firstborn daughter, which is interesting, you might mention that, you know, the lymphoma down the track, mm. but firstborn daughter and um, just just delightful. Isn't yeah. that lovely? Lovely. Yeah. Firstborns are always the better ones. <laughs> I can Jordan say that very born. confidently. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And the twins were wonderful too. It's just that that was busy when they came along. There's there's twenty months difference between the three of them. So it was oh, wow. very, oh my very god! Oh yes, amazing, gosh. We had this amazing triplet pram. It was like three in a row. It was like oh. two meters long, and uh, the photos of it are just amazing. They don't make them anymore because clearly it was probably designed by a man who had never actually had to use the pram. Yeah. <laughs> It was so sort of hard to get everywhere, wasn't it, Mum? Yeah, but get I got it. the long one because I thought I couldn't get the twin one through yeah, the doors way. and things like that. The third. So I, for me at the time, I, I really did like it, but we did have some antics with it on escalators. And oh, gosh. On the lift and, yeah. <laughs> yeah some some, some dr- dramatic times. <laughs> And, and obviously, when you were all growing up, I, I mean, you were obviously all so close in age. Uh, obviously, um, you all got along beautifully, all being girls. Yeah, your- I would say we're closer now than we were when we were growing up. I feel like it was when I really went away on my gap year. I went away to a place called Giggleswick for a year and worked at the Giggleswick school on my gap year. And I feel like that's when we really, really became quite close because I think finally they were like, oh, we miss her. It's far away. And mm-hmm. we thought, Kind of annoying, but actually she's kind oh, of fun. No, no I'm joking. I, but <laughs> I always say the twins, the best they ever get on is when they're just teasing their big sister. Yeah. They're thieves. Mm. <laughs> so it's quite funny. But they were like a little clutch. I always felt like a little clutch of little chicks and they just grew through, you know, grew grew up. That's, that's so yeah. sweet. That's yeah. lovely. Yeah, because, I mean, 20 months from a baby, you know, to a 20-month-old is a it is a big age gap, but as they get older, that age gap just shrinks completely and it's almost like your triplets. Exactly right, yeah, yeah. We're sort of like that at times and um, I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> By the way, I forget what I'm about to say. My next thought bubble is so gone. It's gone. It's gone, in the, it's gone in the wind, yeah. No, it's gone. It'll come back. It'll come back. It'll come back. Um, so, Bryony, fast forwarding from growing up, what can you just tell us a bit about the lead up to 2017 and and your cancer diagnosis? 
Yeah, so I was working at Mamma Mia Women's Network at the time, working with Mia Friedman and the team there. It was a really fun job. I was executive producer of video. Um, I had a whole team uh, that, that I was working with and we were creating sort of viral video after viral video. It was really, really fun. We get to interview celebrities and, you know, different guest experts that were coming in and make videos with them. A lot of shenanigans going on, basically. Sure. Uh, just throughout that whole period of time of that job, I suppose, I was just feeling exhausted all the time and it sort of started as exhaustion, um, always just feeling a bit getting sick really easily. Mm. Uh, and I suppose uh, I would start to get night sweats on and off here and there, you know, for a few nights and then they'd go away. And so I would go into my GP, get some blood tests done, you know, ask what it could be, and we investigated a number of options. But it's sort of, you know, we ended up just getting to a dead end after dead end um, and then sort of telling me, well, I think it's just stress and, mm. you know, rest more. Uh, but, yeah, I really have to attribute mum with being on my case and on my back. Mm. Uh, I mean, what what was what we, was going through your head during that time, mum? Yes, it's just that we, we had the unfortunateness of a, of a dear friend had, had lymphoma and had died and one of his symptoms had been night sweats. So it was mm. always in the back, in the of, back of your mind, yes. I, down the track, you know, we got onto the diagnosis. Mm. But I was here, Brian is in Sydney and she's down there. And, you know, like you, you, you do listen to the doctor and, and but every time it just it came up, I was just very concerned when it was when it was the night sweats. But I'm you know, they, but they kept putting it down, oh, look, it can be stress. And someone else would say, oh, when I had a stressful period, I did have night sweat. You know, mm-hmm. you hear little things instead of actually it's not right. Mm. Need to sort of something. <laughs> we need to um, keep investigating. And, and that's what we really learned on this yeah. journey. Inve- and for anyone there listening, you investigate until you have a reasonable mm. answer. And it's not about acceptance when you don't have a diagnosis or you don't know what's wrong and Bryony says this well about your yeah well, I just body. say now to everyone you know you are the world's leading expert on your own body yes and, 100% uh, whilst you need medical advice and you need to you know work with your specialists and your doctors and respect respect their opinions and their thoughts you also really need to um you know advocate for yourself because of course yourself 24 hours a day yes. for however long you've been alive you know a doctor's seeing a little 10 minute snapshot of you um and the other thing I say too is just keep really good records for yourself and really good notes and if something mm. is persistently going on for a long period of time keep really really great notes because yeah like luckily for me I had mum and dad on my case but I just kept going in and you know, I'd get told, oh, you're fine or, you know, we've, we've not found anything. So I'd sort of, I remember sitting there just feeling like, okay, mm. like I'll just go home and rest mm. some more for a few more weeks then mm. and obviously just never got better. Yeah, and in hindsight now it was eight months, I think eight to nine months before Brian was actually actually diagnosed and although she credits us with, you know, being onto it, I just wish, you know, months before that I had really gone down and really you know made made a fuss is it is it uh, that you changed doctors that that do you know what I mean how did you yeah find a wonderful doctor that really said no that's it's not stress no I didn't unfortunately it it ended up literally mum and dad called up my GP and said we're really worried about briny we're worried it's lymphoma Mm. we want to get her referred to a hematologist which my GP, really lovely lady, but was very reluctant to do mm. because she just really thought there was no reason for it. She thought, well, I think we were all being a bit over the top, a bit hypochondriac. Gosh. Um, and even on the referral, I remember it, it literally says, like, Brownie's, you know, dad is a vet and is insisting on this referral. I think it's highly unlikely. Mm. But, you know, so it just showed how much we had to push mm, to really to get, what you- get that referral. Mm. Yeah. And even if, you know, the truth is it, it- at least, I mean, obviously for you it wasn't the case that it came back and said, oh, it's nothing. But at least if you push and you know that the answer is nothing, then you can cross that off. But unfortunately for you, it wasn't the case. Yeah. yeah. And I think that was Dad's point a bit too, wasn't yes, it? And yours, it was like, well, months. we've got to rule it out because yes. we've got no answers and this mm. isn't normal. So we need to rule the nasties it, out. It looked like it could be. So. Yeah. 
Because some people, you know, and the thing is it's gone on for eight months. Like, for instance, for someone demanding a a specialist visit after maybe a month, well, you know, I can see maybe that's, you know, whatever. But the night sweats that Bryony were having, I just don't think the doctor, and it's it's interesting about communication, if Mm. you've got something not working, you really push with your GP. You you know, the the squeaky hinge gets most oil Mm. and it's, it's really what this is. You know, yeah, and, and what was it for? Well, yeah, well? because I mean, I was having night sweats. You know, they were they were pretty severe. But <laughs> before I was diagnosed, I was having them every night. I was waking up drenched, gosh, pajamas, sometimes twice a night. Waking up in the morning, my sheets were wet. And when Mum and Dad called her, she said, "Oh, yeah, she's having." My doctor said she's having night sweats, but they're not that bad. And Dad said, "Well, have you actually asked oh, how bad they are?" Yeah, and I realized we actually hadn't had that conversation. Oh, gosh, and it wasn't until I went to the specialist. She said to me, I remember her just turning and looking at me at one point in the consult and saying, so this is having a really severe impact on your life. And I said, yeah, actually. But it was the first person to acknowledge that and really, Mm. I really felt until then, I felt, to be honest, a bit embarrassed. Yeah. Feeling like I was being dramatic Mm. about nothing when, you know, I really wasn't. And, um, you know, and I've since learned that women actually take a lot longer to get a cancer diagnosis than men. And we're far more likely to have our pain ascribed to a mental health symptom. I have this beautiful friend of mine who I've met through lymphoma. She was in such severe, like she was in such a a bad way. She had a 17 centimeter tumor in her lung. It collapsed her lung. She couldn't breathe. She was passing out on a daily basis, passing out. And, and, and she said she would go into the doctor and saying, I feel like I'm being suffocated. And they just said, you've got anxiety, it's your stressful job, you've got to manage it. You know, so by the time she got diagnosed, she was so unwell. Oh, that's terrible. Um, So it just goes to show, you know, even in those really extreme and dramatic circumstances, it can get put down to like, oh, you're stressed, like, you know, and I think it is that confidence gap, women, you've got, we've got to speak up and, you know, challenge our confident inner white male and say, this isn't good enough, I need another yeah. Yes. You know, you can still be polite, you can still be kind, but like mum said, being the squeaky hinge I think is so important when it comes to our health. That's so true. Yeah. And I think when you become a mum as well, you also tend to put yourself after your kids. You know, you're always concerned about their sniffle or this and that and the other and you run yourself down and you kind of go after weeks and weeks, oh, why am I putting up with this? This is really silly. And it's the same I think across the board for most women and even we were talking about it the other day, you know, women sometimes older and they just don't, they ignore the reasoning behind it. And then it sometimes is, as you say, it's too late and that's terrifying. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I experienced it both with my parents, I have mm. to say, oh, that's uh, so true. both a misdiagnosis with their cancer. And so I have always been an advocate of, no, do you know what I mean? That if you're not comfortable with your diagnosis or whatever, move on. You know, don't just don't just accept it because I've seen the other side of it. And no taking away, uh, of course, from you know specialists, doctors, or whatever that they're they're you know our our lifesaver. But at the same time, as you say, Rani, that you know your body, you know that and. And same with you, Denise, that you just knew that something just wasn't right. Mm. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Yeah. It's um yeah, it's a it's a hard lesson to learn in hindsight, but that's why I like talking about it to hopefully help other women find their voice and find a way of asking for what they need. And and men as well, but you know, I think women particularly. Absolutely. Definitely. And Bryony, what was it like, obviously, so you finally get into the specialist. Denise, you flew down. Is it Was it mother's intuition you had a feeling that something just wasn't 100% right, so you thought, no, I've just got to be there with her? I'd, I'd actually been in New Zealand on a two-week trip and I'd said to my husband, oh, I'm cutting this short. I've got to be back. I want to be in Sydney with Bryony, you know, and uh, it was such a... I was driven. I was just driven. So I did that and flew down to Sydney. Yeah, and I was saying, Mum, don't worry about it. There's no need. This is really over the top. I've got to go straight to work that day. 
you know, there's like I can't fit it in sort of thing, you know, mm. was my thought at the time. But luckily she ignored me and came anyway and it was, a, it was thank goodness, because mm. to have been sitting there getting that information. On your oh, own, yes. It would have yeah, been horrific. There's the thought of it. And and the thing was, if everything was fine, well, then it was a lovely trip to Sydney. Oh, so that's there was, right. There was nothing to lose. <laughs> no, absolutely that's, not. Mm. And, uh, Bryony, how important is it to have body advocates like your parents were in your life? Oh, it's so critical. I, I, I take my hat off to people that do it without a support crew or without advocates. Like I remember going in for chemo and seeing people there that were bussing themselves in to get chemo mm. and bussing mm. themselves home. And I just thought no one in this wealthy country should have to do that. Mm. Um, and I think I felt incredibly grateful for the healthcare system, the amazing healthcare system we have. But, you know, already we're seeing, you know, the current government is taking, you know, is cutting Medicare, is, you know, cutting different services. And, you know, I think we're all a bit asleep at the wheel with that. And we think that, oh, we've just got these great things and they'll always be there. Well, no, they won't actually. And as a community, I think we really need to, you know, really appreciate and value those things, but then fight for them as mm, well. Oh, 100%. Before we know it, we'll be like America where we know the number one cause of bankruptcy is healthcare costs mm. for people. And, you know, when you're at your worst, when you're doing chemo, you've got a cancer diagnosis, whatever it might be, you don't want to be stressing about money and how you're yeah. going to get yeah. That's when you need your community and your country to look after you and, and protect you. And, you know, I know I hadn't, you wouldn't believe it, but um, I haven't actually publicly shared this, but the day before my book launch came out, I actually ended up in the ER for a completely unrelated um, issue. And it was such a hard thing being in hospital without your advocates there, actually. Yeah. We're in the lockdown. moment, we're in lockdown. Yeah, mm. come in, and it was such a different experience um, for me. And I realised how hard it was. It's so hard when you're one, you're in the system, and you're you know not feeling great anyway. You need um, someone else. There's people there, and yeah. I know a lot of doctors and nurses say we actually want to get back to normal because we want people to have their yes. people. Yes, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. So once again, I had mum on the phone calling up and advocating and being the squeaky hinge, but it's the only thing that actually got me seen. You know, that day I spent four hours in a corridor on a stretcher, oh. um, you know, when I was worried about what was going on. And anyway, but it just goes to show, and no no blight on the hospital or the staff, they were all amazing, but they're working in a really stressful, yeah. highly resourced, you know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's it's only so much, it's like supply and demand. It's sort, sort of like it's not for a lack of compassion or no, they don't love their jobs, you know. It's just it's the nature. It is what it is. We're running our medical people into the ground at the moment. Mm, you know, we're completely. running them into the ground. And this was before COVID came. You know, I have a friend who's a nurse at a very busy, at the Gold Coast Hospital in a very busy um, outpatients ward and they just keep increasing the patients they've got to get through in a day. Mm without increasing the staff, you know, and they're good people. So they just stretch and stretch and stretch. Mm, that's but it, terrible. It's not, it's not right. It's mm. just not right. And, Bryony, what were your first thoughts or do you kind of remember? I mean, I know you've written quite a bit about it in your book, but was it more do you feel like you remember because your mum told you or did you have like a first thought when the doctor told you? Yeah, like definitely my first, first thought was, oh, she's gotten someone else's results and she's mixed them up. And I said, oh, any minute now she's going to say, oh, sorry, that was Duncan's results. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, but that moment never came. Mm. And I couldn't quite grasp the seriousness of it. Like she'd mentioned chemo, so I knew that was bad, mm. but I didn't know, like, are we talking like chemo, chemo? Are we talking, you know, like what, like, you know, and I remember just saying to her, am I going to lose my hair? Mm. First thing I asked and she said, yeah, you are, but it will grow back. And I remember that was just that mm. like, oh, sucker punch moment because mm. now you know, you're you going to be a cancer patient, you know, like you're going to look dr drastically different. And I think the hair thing for women, it's such a big thing, you know. Mm. We, yeah. And you feel a bit tri trivial or vain when you're sitting there with your life, you know, your health on the line and you're asking about your hair. But I know yes. for a lot of women it is a really big thing, you know, It's because it's a, a real marker of that change. And it's also an identity. I know it's a weird thing to think about, but it is part of your identity and obviously, you know, 
you can change it and cut your hair and color your hair. You can do all sorts of things with it, but it is part of your identity. So you probably thought, you know, it's it's enough that something's going on internally, but did you really need it to be so obvious externally? Totally. Well, particularly when, you know, I looked so well, you know, and a funny story about mum and I, like heading into hospital on my very first day of chemo, we pull up to the uh, front of the Gold Coast Hospital, dad's driving and mum and I are in the back. And so we get out. And as mum gets out of the back of the car, she actually like rips, pulls something in the bottom of her back. And so we just hear this like, no, (laughs) you can barely walk. And so I'm there carrying mum into the hospital (laughs) and I'm done my makeup I've got my hair curled like I'm looking great you know I look totally normal and anyone watching would just think she's, oh, the, she's the sick one yeah oh, daughter bringing her mum in and and I just thought wow you just never know what anyone's going through no, you know true great reminder to always be a little bit kinder oh, than you need to be and just not people because you just don't know what people are going through no. and on that on that point though it's really it's really important when if you do have something wrong you're going to the doctor and you're for females, do not wear makeup, you know, because oh, because you mask how bad you actually uh, uh, bias if you look uh, good. Even up to the day before mm. Brian was diagnosed, yeah. you tell that story about um at work. Yeah, like I'd actually had a spray tan the day before I got diagnosed, and I remember my boss Mia walking past and just saying, "Gosh, you look fantastic." Mm. Like, Thanks, I feel awful oh gosh you were probably trying to mask it for yourself you know like that whole if I look better I'll feel better I think that's where my bright my bright lippy phase began and has carried on because it was like it made me feel better when I just felt like I looked so dead it was a distractor Mm. Um, I had a girlfriend the other day same thing she had a spray tan went to see her doctor and the doctor said to her what's someone that looks so well doing in my office oh wow and after blood test it came back, she was severely anemic. So, you know, I say to everyone now, don't wear makeup to the doctor if you're feeling awful. Yeah, let's like, take, strip it all let back. You, let your tired, exhausted, gorgeous face do the talking for you. <laughs> and then they, then you become a bit more believable. Yeah. That's terrible. Oh, that's terrible. Never even thought about that. Oh, because they they see you looking well and, and I think it's, it's they have it as a positive bias. Yeah, well, I say yeah. now I think, you know, a lot of doctors, they're used to seeing the worried well, people who are worried but are well. So mm. if you're not well, you really need to, Gosh. Um, yeah, you know, be clear with that. <laughs> Gosh. And, and, Denise, what was it like uh, for you seeing Bryony document her battle with cancer? It's really interesting. Once the video was made, I, I thought it was a wonderful thing to distract, to distract her. And um, but it wasn't. I didn't see the depth of it until it was actually edited by um, Bryony's friend Claire. And just the depth of the pain and the anguish that she went through in those those first days that Bryony didn't actually share with me. So she's going mm. through this incredible thing, trying to protect me, her mm. mother. Mm. And absolutely crying the first time and actually many times when I've seen that video. You're still um, crying, of course. It really really does because it protected me and I just think this beautiful girl and I just, I must say because I haven't had a chance to say it, but Bryony went through this treatment always in the best of humour and in the best nature Mm. and it it sounds really weird but it was a joy to be there with her because she was, you know, she had every reason to be crabby. And that's why when I look at people, they make choices of how they present or how they are, if they're in a bad mood, oh, I'm in a bad mood. She just never did that. She just, as a very positive girl, she was all the way through, you know, like when you're asking when she was younger, she was just a very, very positive bunny and not Pollyannaing it, but she mm. just, made the best that she could of it and I was just so proud of her and um, and making that video was just another extension of just how she is. <laughs> but it was really good in that it distracted, I think, yeah. for you. Well, I think as well mum says that I was, I was protecting you but you were doing the same for me, I suppose. Like mum was just such a rock, so strong, never cried in front of me. I'm sure you were maybe behind the scenes. I don't know, were you actually <laughs> or were you? Holding well, it in? I held it in until after that diagnosis. I flew home, I think, that night and left you so you could. Oh, you stayed with me for a few nights. Oh, a few yeah. Nights. And then I left, I left Brian for a few days and then I came home and I just sobbed at the airport. Did when, you? When oh, my I husband didn't know. Up, 
I just sobbed. And there was one other time I remember going to a girlfriend, Susie's, and I just cried. I just cried. But and uh, other than that, it's interesting you p- compartmentalise it <laughs> away and you, do, you have to deal with it. And it's really interesting. And um, and you do, you just you just do deal with what you have to deal with. And, um, yeah, no, I sort of made a pact. I was never going to cry mm. in front of you. Or- yeah, and it wasn't actually until I got the news I was in remission. I remember we all walked outside the hospital, mum, dad, my sister Molly and I, and we all just had a little sob, didn't we? We all held hands mm. in a no, circle. That must have no. been an amazing moment. Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah. You know, and, and I, mum, I hadn't seen mum or dad even remotely crumble into that point or, or cry and we all just had a bit of a sob and it was a beautiful moment and I just thought, oh, I'm going to remember this moment always. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, we get so stressed and worried about so many trivial rubbish things, you know. And I'm like, what is more important than this? Yes, than this moment. Yeah. And, and you probably, everything you know, you probably sprinkles also on the ice cream. held it in as a family. Like you probably were all in your own minds being like I'm going to be strong for Bryony and I'm going to be strong for mum and Molly's like I'm going to be strong for mum and and Bryony and so you all probably held it in until you felt like you you didn't didn't have to didn't have to anymore you know with the positive news and I don't even think it's uh actually I don't even think it's an actual thing of of being strong you just deal with what you're dealing with you know and you just deal with it in the best way that you can deal with it Mm. and I think yeah so we, we did have a laugh afterwards because we said anyone going past us would have thought we'd had the worst news ever being given, and there we were just having going. the best news ever. It was like the happy, cry, happy, sad cry. Yeah, happy, sad cry. Mm. Yeah. And, Bryony, what was the process like writing the book? Because, I mean, you obviously very confident with video and everything like that and obviously working for Mamma Mia, but did you feel like it was a cathartic experience? writing the book? Yeah, I just loved the process of writing the book. I I journaled religiously throughout my treatment. So a gorgeous friend had sent me a book called The Artist's Way and it's a 12-week writing course basically mm-hmm. on with your creative self and I had 12 weeks of chemo. So there was this ah. nice – so with my sister and my friend Tim, once a week we would do this check-in and as part of that you do your morning pages which is just you get up first thing in the morning, you brain dump three pages of writing and it's really therapeutic. It helps you navigate your way through challenging times. And and they say actually um, it's such a beneficial thing to do when you're having a tough time. So they, they, you know, boost your immune system. They've even said people, their wounds heal faster when they're journey through a tough time, you know, because it really is just taking all that excess energy and emotion out of your central processing unit and freeing up some space so mm. you can just do the, you know, the day-to-day. And so when the, you know, I, I made that video, obviously it went out into the world, you only get one life, and one of the people that saw it was a publisher. And she reached out and said, I would love to talk to you about turning this into a helpful guidebook for other people navigating tough times. And I just thought, one, to be able to turn my trauma and that challenging period into something helpful for other people yeah, really appealed to me. Mm. But I think because I had done all the journaling, I really had reconnected with how much I loved writing and felt like, yeah, I can do that. I'm a writer. Um, whereas I think I loved writing at school and I loved English, but I think in the preceding years because I'd been a video person, I thought I'm not a writer. We always get writers into write. I can't really write. And that really was a mindset mm. flip for me. Mm. Yeah, it's very, very interesting. You did. And I used to love it. I'd go into Bryony's room and she would get up early, sometimes quite early, and she'd just be writing and writing and writing pages and pages. And I'd just tiptoe back out. (laughs) (laughs) Not disturb, not not with her train of thought. I mean, I wish I could do that now. I I, I struggle in the mornings (laughs) with my chronic fatigue at the moment. But, like, at the time, when you go through chemo, you're on steroids, which – Makes sleep really hard. So I was sort of up at 4 a.m. most mornings. So it actually gave me a useful thing to do. And Mm. I think the other really nice thing about it was I feel like I felt like I had accomplished accomplished a goal before the day Mm. had begun. It gave me a sense of some kind of control Mm. um, that I could, if nothing else, that day I'd gotten up, I'd made my bed, I'd had a glass of water, and I'd done my journaling. I was like, cool, I've I've achieved a small goal today. Mm. Gave Mm. me momentum. Mm. Mm. Morning organisation, it's amazing, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> and and Denise, uh, what do you think uh, Bryony has taught you about life with what she's gone through? Ah, you taught me. It's just well, one is is never give up. But but what she writes about in the book is is, is something that stays with me: is finding joy within dark periods, you know, and and the way that she held herself through such difficult times and really painful times when you're on the bone marrow drugs and, and she was in such intense pain and just had this beautiful manner about her and it just, you take that with you. So I learnt a lot from Bryony about that. You know, it's in your control what you put out to the world. Yeah, so, mm. yeah. She's made me a much better mother, I always say. <laughs> yes. You sounded pretty good before that, though. <laughs> She's pretty amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yes, no, but I learned a lot from you and the way you conducted yourself and in your beautiful manner with everyone that you came across when you're in the hospital and when you're unwell. It was just wonderful. Mm. So proud. Mm. Yeah. Thanks, Mum. <laughs> mm. And, Brony, how's your health today? Yeah, it's good. I mean, I, I'm cancer-free. I'm in remission Amazing. three years now, which is great. I mean, I'm still really struggling with the chronic fatigue side of things. So um, I've been great the last few weeks. I think I've been running on adrenaline with the book coming out. Um, but I'm definitely like this morning was a tough morning getting up. And um, so I'm just going to try and give myself a few sort of rest days or just expect a bit less of myself in the next few days. And I'm very grateful to not be at the very debilitating end of chronic fatigue. Like I have a friend, Jenna, who wrote in the book, um, she wrote a chapter about living with something chronic and ongoing and she writes really beautifully. But, you know, Jenna um, lives an amazing life and a life full of meaning and purpose up in the Daintree. But, you know, sometimes the severity of her symptoms means she can't get out of bed for days mm. or she has really extreme vertigo. And, you know, I think for people dealing with chronic illnesses, it's just so challenging because there is no necessary clear end in sight or an end in sight. It's more how do you live with this mm. and in spite of your circumstances. And so I love that component in the book that Jenna speaks to that because it's something that I can't speak to, you know, in a really deep way. Um, but, yeah, I, I, have, I have an experience of it. But, yeah, so I think, um, you know, I, another really helpful thing that I think is helpful for a broader audience is I've been going to the UNSW Chronic Fatigue Clinic and as part of that they looked at my schedule and what I do in a week and they said, oh, so you, you don't ever rest. <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, yes, I do. Look, I, I read a book there or I listened to a podcast there or, you know, I watched a show and they said, yeah, none of those things count as resting. So you might find them relaxing. Mm, but it's but not rest. They're not actually restful activities because they still require a high cognitive function. And they said even something like driving is actually one of the highest cognitive, you know, pieces that oh, you can sure. do. Yeah. 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 So, so really and often, pithy, wasn't yeah, it? and often really you think, pithy. oh, well, I'll just you know have a bit of downtime and I'll drive from there to there or whatever. Yeah. And no. <laughs> so you know, they said really the only thing that counts as resting is sitting with a cup of tea and staring out the window and just being, you know, or mm. maybe something else I like to do is just like watch the trees sway or mm. if you need some water, just watch the water. Um, just finding ways to just be off devices, off computers, not consuming stuff, you know. And I think like as an A-type sort of personality, it's always that, well, if I can just cram a bit more learning into this downtime or, you know, mm. which is probably what we got me into this whole palaver of lymphoma in the first place. I mean, we don't know what causes lymphoma, but I was definitely never giving my body a chance to catch up. Mm. And um, I mean, I, I think that's so true though, and it's so funny that you say like, oh, but I'm watching TV and it's like, no, that's also not rest time, although mum and I would classify that as rest time we're well, not into day sleeping yeah. well, at all it's rest time to watch something together but when you're in chronic fatigue it's not it's different even at the moment for people that are in lockdown you know and feeling really exhausted and feeling like but I'm hardly doing anything like you know I'm at home I'm you know um I think yeah everyone just cutting themselves a bit of slack and you know and it's a hard one for me and I probably shouldn't say this on a podcast because I just love listening to podcasts <laughs> 
really cut down a lot of my consuming in the last few months, whereas normally I'd be cleaning the house and listening to something, driving, listening to something. You know, they've really encouraged me just to pair it back and just be doing one activity at a time, which is so hard. Yeah, but- <laughs> and yeah who, who doesn't like to multitask? I mean, really. Exactly. Yes. And I have to say I did notice the quotes and the standouts in the book were just so moving and incredibly motivating. Were they a collection of advice you were given or is that just something that you did in your journaling during the day or in those early mornings? In terms of the like the full page. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, they were just reflections and sort of concepts that I – you know, developed along the way, I suppose, you know, of course, always being influenced by people around you and people that have inspired you or, you know, in in my case, I had a few friends that I was then connected with that had been through chemo or been through a similar, you know, challenging journey. And yeah, so it was just sort of, you know, and it was an interesting thing, I think, on my first manuscript that I submitted to the publisher, she said, I love it. You know, it's exactly what I wanted and the only feedback I have now is go back and remove other people's words from your book in terms of, you know, quotes by Sheryl Sandberg or Michelle Obama, you know, which to me I thought just added mm. to And she was saying, actually, you've been through this. It's you. What you think. Mm. You know, mm. That was really empowering. Uh, it was great feedback and it was really empowering as well to go, oh, yeah, like I have a story mm. and I don't actually need to lean on all these other, you mm. know, women. I admire hugely that have got other great advice, but actually, yeah, this book is about me sharing what I learned and what people taught me along the way. Um, and I know that, you know, there's value in that story and sharing that with other people. So, yeah, it was a good learning. Beautiful. And, and Denise, I mean, I know we've probably covered this, but what kept you strong while holding Bryony's hand through it all? Probably Bryony. It was, really. Yeah. It was- Bryony and it was just um Bryony's doctor gave her very good advice and I guess I took it on without even thinking about it you don't think too far in front you just don't think too far ahead and you're still day to day you know and there's there's always things to do and yeah Bryony Bryony just kept just kept me on track we just did thank yeah. goodness for each other yeah and the fact and that I'm, you could be together yeah I was gonna say we were, we were so fortunate mm. you know um Dear friends of ours lost their daughter who died in Africa um, probably eight, nine years ago now, and um, they taught us a lot with how they dealt with that shocking, you know, shocking, shocking experience for their family. And they didn't waste time on why me, why this, whatever. You know, they just looked forward and what they could do, you know, mm-hmm. and it was you know, and being grateful. And they actually, their daughter did a um, positive psychology um, degree following that and and she did a little gratefulness course and, and it was very much about gratefulness and being grateful for what we did have around us, for all the things, and it, it really helped. I mm. must say it really, really helped. So every day we would do that and it would, it would make you look out from outside of yourself and, um, yeah, so it was good. So we didn't waste energy. In, on ne- on negative things, didn't no, we? We just no. kept looking out, and that was wonderful advice. And what a gift they gave us! Oh, that's so nice. I mean, obviously, as a family, obviously your outlook to everything has just changed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, yeah, as Mum said, that gratitude piece was just hugely powerful. It can feel sort of so token these days and try <laughs> like hashtag grateful, hashtag blessed. You know, does this work? But you know, gratitude really is about. Um, Brendan Bouchard says it's about the golden frame with which we view our our experiences, you know, and it's more, it's not so much just listing off things you're grateful for. It's actually re, re-experiencing things that have brought us great joy or things that we feel gratitude for. And so, yeah, I, I mean, I write about it in the book as well, this exercise I learned once, which is about going back and not just listing things off, but re-visualizing them mm-hmm. and living those moments because we forget how rich our lives are like you know anyone living in Australia like we have obviously a lot of people doing it tough in this country and Mm. particularly right now um but you know even even in our worst days for most of us you know it's still better than you know someone's best day ever probably so um you know I just think well yeah for me it's been a really helpful thing Hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, I think we're all very lucky to be living in a country like this as much as everyone has challenges, yeah, not taking away from that. But, yes, you realise when things like a pandemic hits, where you're born is is really a blessing. You know, we're so lucky that we were born here um, that it sometimes you need to sort of go that far back to be grateful for what you've got, even if you are in lockdown and separated from family, et cetera. But, yes, there are there are so many things to be grateful for, even if you're going through a hard time. And it's amazing that you still managed to do that when you were going through an incredibly hard time. Yeah. And I think, you know, like I remember going into chemo and feeling so grateful that I could access a hospital that was world-class. I felt grateful that I could actually have chemo, that my body was strong enough to take it. Some people can't have chemo, you know? Um, So I just thought even in that, even in that moment, and, and some people might go, oh yeah, all right, Pollyanna, you know, whatever. But I think the thing is, what's the option? You know, you've got to do it anyway. And I, you know, to talk about in the book, we would always ask the question, well, if we have to do this, how can we make this a bit more fun or a bit less crap? You know, every time we went into hospital, mum would make a giant um, thing of bliss balls um, that we take in for all the nurses. So they're always excited when they'd see me coming down the corridor. Yeah, don't she's coming. She's just parking. She's got the bliss balls. You know, we actually genuinely enjoyed going into chemo, didn't we? Because the the nurses were so amazing and so beautiful and have become, you know, friends. Mm. And uh, you just... Yeah, like you can turn any situation into something that's a bit more enjoyable. Yes, it's amazing. Yeah, from such a negative thing that you had to go through that you're looking at it in a very positive way, that's, you know, very inspiring for people to listen to. Mm. And obviously it was extremely prophetic that you came out with this book. I mean, obviously, you know, not taking away from what you went through, but to release a book like this, given the current pandemic, I mean, it's just helped and will continue to help so many people through a very challenging time. Yeah, it's been um, so amazing getting messages from people. You know, I got a message from a young mum the other day. She said, I'm in lockdown. I've got three two small boys and I'm really struggling with anxiety and I'm really not coping so well and this book has just helped me so much. Um, getting messages like that, mm. I was bumps like that is just the greatest feeling in the world, you know, to know that in some small way this book is out there in the world and helping people. Actually, I just got a, a message this morning from a girl in Behran. Oh, who, gosh. With a copy of my book, she ordered it on Book Depository and and got it. And she's she's a cancer survivor. And she said, "I've got it, and I'm loving it." Um, uh, someone the other day in Rome, right. you know. Oh <laughs> wow! Isn't that amazing? Isn't it's going to have an international release, but at the moment, it's just been released in Australia. But you can yes. buy it on Book Depository yeah. for internationals. And uh, yeah, it's been so amazing. I'm like, well, I can't travel, but my book's having a great yeah. time. As long as someone's travel, as long as someone's traveling, yeah. that's always good. I think it just triggered something, and and that's another thing I remember learning through you, Brian. I don't know where you got it from about, but um, that your body is always trying to heal. And you got that beautiful message the other day from another young woman who's going through yeah, cancer whose cancer has time. actually relapsed, mm. and she just said to me, um, "I've been so angry." I've been so, um, yeah, just distraught really. And she said, your mm-hmm. book, she, and I was just, oh, my gosh, this message to receive. She said, this book has changed my life, my outlook, my perspective. And she said, now I know that my body just actually wants to heal because I share, like in the book, I, I share on one of the pages. Um, it was actually when I was heading off overseas after chemo. I had, I was intent on going and visiting my sister in London, even though I felt pretty, pretty worse still. Mm. And I, I was a bit wobbly as I got on the plane. Sure. And this girl sat down beside me with this gorgeous flaming red curly <laughs> hair and I loved Anna Green Gables was like my favourite. Yeah. So I was like, oh, my God, Dan. And she had been a, a physio at the um, at, a, at the cancer clinic in Peter, Ma- Peter McCallum, which is like the cancer centre in Australia. 
And yeah, it was like the universe had just sent me someone I needed in that time. And, and, and that was such a powerful phrase. She said, just remember your body does want to heal. And I think that's an important thing for everyone to, to understand, be it physical pain, be it emotional pain, you know, be it the pain of lockdown, you know, we're all going to be feeling sort of this global uh, post-traumatic mm-hmm. Um, feeling I think after the lockdowns end and we, and we re-emerge it's like your body wants to heal mm. it's on your side but it takes time and you've just got to be patient with that hmm. that's a beautiful I know beautiful message it is, it is. I thought it was a gem absolute gem mm. and what was 2020 and obviously now like for you were you I mean obviously being in remission but were you quite anxious with the pandemic and your health I mean, I think in those early days when it was all a bit scary for everyone, wasn't it? You know, no one really, we didn't know what was happening. We were seeing enormous queues out of Centrelink and, you know, all these sort of craziness in those first few weeks. So I was actually, my sister and I, um, who were living together in Sydney, we we thought, well, let's, if Sydney's going to go into lockdown, this is before lockdowns had begun, let's go home and hang with mum and dad for a bit. And nine months yes. later, we were still there, <laughs> but we had a great was thrilled. Uh, it was lovely, I, you know, like silver linings. Yes, of, of yes, absolutely. Yeah. You would never have had, obviously, your girls with you for no. such a long time. No. The yeah. dogs loved it. Yeah. <laughs> and at the moment, same thing. I, I'm in Queensland currently because I was up here when the last outbreak happened and I suppose with my health I am super cautious of mm. not obviously being in the things. Yes. Um, and I'm going to be vaccinated shortly, um, but I'm not at the moment. So I just wanted to be careful. But I think, yeah, for anyone who's immunocompromised or immune suppressed, it's, you know, it is a scary time and it's really frightening and disappointing when you see, you know, mobs of people out on the streets protesting. Mm. I mean, I understand that they have, you know, certain thoughts or their reasons or they're, you know, really struggling at the moment or whatever, but it's not a safe or responsible thing to be doing. And no. so... I think it makes it really stressful for people that are immune compromised and and I would just encourage yeah those people just to think you know about think, them of, others think of others outside themselves yeah yeah because it could be them you know one day that was dealing with similar yes. things so yeah well we're going to jump onto the lightning round and we are so grateful for all the messages and wonderful words of wisdom that you've given us so far and for anyone who doesn't have Bryony's book, definitely get it. It's so it's so enjoyable. It really is. And just a really beautiful story to hear about. And we're so glad that your health is is def is good today. That's okay. So one word to describe your relationship when Bryony was a teenager. Oh. <laughs> one word. Oh no. One word. One word. That is tough. Um Comforting. It was just comforting. Comforting to have Brian as a daughter. I was like Always. a very good teenager. I was like, I just <laughs> want to study and stay at home. I don't want to drink and yeah, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, so anyway, yeah. and I was, was an exci- easy kid. It was exciting because <laughs> they did singing and drama and acting and taekwondo. You know, and taekwondo all the and yes, things like that. So it was always enjoyable. It's mm. lovely. And one word to describe your relationship in adulthood. I would have to say, for me, it's comforting. It is just so comforting to have you there. Mm. It's just so comforting. Yeah, yeah I don't know just, what the word is, but we yeah. just have a, like, uh, I would say it's just such an easy, it's just so easy mm. when, we, when we're hanging out and together. It just feels, mm. we just have a wonderful connection and it's just really enjoyable. Isn't that lovely? Love- Isn't that so yeah. nice? Gosh, <laughs> you, feel, you feel at home, like, it's like, yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. What characteristics, Denise, do you think Bryony has of you? Of me? Um, Time management skills. We're good with ideas. We, yeah, we're, mm. we're ideas girls. So yeah. we, have, we have ideas. Yeah, that's a good I one. I see that, yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, Bryony, would you say that – is what you would say that you got from your mum as well, the ideas, or there's something else that you'd like to say? I think, yeah, mum is also, she has shown us how to be really creative and full of fun. You know, mum is always just 
bringing life to everything, you know, and making everything, you know, and she's incredibly thoughtful and I hope I've picked that up and I try really hard to, yeah, carry that on. And But I think having a mum that's always there going, and have you sent them a thank you card? And have you <laughs> that's so funny. I, I do. Oh, that's me. Have you thanked? Have you this? Have you it's that? Have blah, you rung this person? birthday today, I'm just really letting you know. And I think uh, oftentimes, you know, when people don't have that in them, I just think, oh, it's actually not their fault. You know, I've had a mum drill it into me since day one. So, <laughs> And yeah. still does probably. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely does. Yeah, so well, I, from them, I think it's a very good trait to have. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, like, I, I'm just on all the time. <laughs> What's been the most memorable moment in your relationship? I mean, certainly, yeah, holding hands during that cancer diagnosis was pretty up there. And then um, we got to go on a, we went on a little holiday at the end of chemo together, which was pretty lovely on another little little treat. So that was nice because we'd never, um, I actually found a, a diary the other day from when I was in grade three. And I'd written that both my sisters were out at birthday parties and in capitals I've written, and I've got mum all by myself. Oh, sweet. Oh, that's. So I got mum all by myself. Oh, that's really lovely. Because I've never really had just alone time like that. And I think having the three so close and um, and Anthony being a vet, he was never on baby duty really Mm. ever. He was always at work. And so the same with um, Molly and Rihanna. You know, they are so gorgeous in their own right, but we just didn't get that one-on-one. And that's the only thing looking back If to any young mother or mother listening, try and get one-on-one time if you can you know, stash a child with a grandma or do something like that just so that you have that one-on-one. Mm. Every so often with each child, I think it's so yeah. true. Obviously, very, obviously, very memorable on both sides from the from the parent and the child. Obviously, if yeah, you if yeah. you wrote it down, especially you know uh, when you were so young, or oh, just what joy, you know, what joy to hear that you read. I still feel the same. I've got all by myself. Yes, and who who gives the best advice, and what's the best advice that she's given to you? Oh, mum mm. just gives me fabulous advice all the time. I'm probably on the when I'm not physically seeing mum, I'm on the phone to you most days, mm. <laughs> bouncing everything off really. Mm. Um, and I think mum's always just had that perfect balance of being empathetic, listening, but then giving me a nudge when I need, you mm. know. And I think um, after chemo finished, and I was feeling mm, probably, I mean, wouldn't not sorry for myself, but it was just a really tough time. I was back in Sydney. I had short hair. I, you know, all my friends had moved and were having babies, and it was just I felt like I was really behind. I think and. I remember mum at one point saying, might be time to, you know, start doing something for someone else and suggested I go and start doing some tutoring with these young girls, which I think, yeah, was really good advice, just that shift focus off yourself, Mm. do something helpful for someone Mm. else. Yeah, it was really good. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I learned from Bryony about reframing things. If things aren't, you know, as as you're thinking them, reframe them into something else, you know, and also... um, with, with treatment, um, focus on not people that didn't help or didn't do something, but Brian was always focusing on um, the joys that came from this. Um, a friend from, you know, kindnesses from left field were, were, were just wonderful, you know, and you, and you focus on that. Yeah, you know, and I write that in the end. book. I was like, you know, mm. try to not get hung up on the people that don't help or are disappointing. Like just focus on the people that are really being yeah. wonderful because it sort of drags you down yeah, and you don't need it's it. So when you, true. you know, that's such good advice, such good advice because, yes, you do get a bit, as you say, bogged down with the people that don't do things as opposed to the people that do things mm. in your life. You know, that that's really what yeah. you should concentrate on. Mm. And obviously this happens a lot. How many times a day do you call each other? Well, I guess it's different <laughs> now you with your mum. Probably, yeah, a couple often. Yes, yeah. About various things yes. and, yeah, sometimes. Yes. I mean, we rarely go more than a few days, do we, without a call? Yes. Well, yeah, <laughs> not, a, not a day really. And it's the same mm. with the girls. I've got three girls. Yes. And so some of my mornings uh, we go from you know, one, one, one conversation to another. That's and lovely. Then, I call it the Denise Benjamin call centre is open. <laughs> that's so, that's <laughs> lovely. I love it. Oh, love that's it. nice. Yeah. Yeah. And who calls each other, who calls who the most? Do you think 
Denise, you're receiving the calls as opposed to making them? Oh, I think it's pretty, it's, it's pretty, pretty even. Split. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty split. <laughs> mm. And is there anything you have always wanted to ask or tell each other that you never have? Hmm. Hmm. I, I, we talk a lot. Yeah, we talk a lot. And I think having gone through the experience of cancer and chemo and recovery together, mm. we've really probably yes. covered it all. And, you know, but I would just reiterate my immense gratitude um, to have a mum that is so extraordinary and took me through that experience and mm. you held my every single step of the way. But I, I always say to people, what blew me away is that you never once said the wrong thing or upset me or put your foot in like, which so which is such a hard thing to do. I don't know how you navigated that, but you just obviously really intuitive and thoughtful and you knew what I needed and you just turned up and you looked after oh, me every day. Oh. And, and made it fun, even if it was like putting on a fun soundtrack on the way into chemo or, you know, bringing mm. treats for the nurses. Mm. Like when we left, mum bought them all a coffee machine because they didn't have a coffee Oh, machine. that's so nice. Like sprinkling magic wherever you oh, went. Oh, that's really yeah. lovely. That's really lovely. You can see, I, I don't know what to say back because Brian's just always made me a better mother. <laughs> Well, you're you're incredible, both of you. Obviously, Bryony, with what you went through, and obviously Denise, how you handled it all. So, it's just as I say, very inspirational. Definitely, yes. Find mothers inspirational. Oh, every it's day. very nice. That's I mean, very nice. women rock in women general. Rock. Like I think so that, true. that was a take out of this whole experience for me was that women are just amazing. Mm. <laughs> like they turn up, they do things, they bring snacks, they know what to say. And, like, poor blokes, I feel a bit sorry for them. Yeah. You know, some are all men, like some are great, but, like, a lot of them just, they just don't have the same intuition that women do. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. yeah. They've always had their mothers to do it for them. That's yeah, mothers, yes. and I think it's a superpower that we need to acknowledge and tap into more because I don't know. I think women will be running the world one day, yes. won't we? And that's <laughs> very nice. Well, that's a very, very nice way of ending. And uh, so true. I, and I want to say from me, thank you so much for your time and your just wonderful insight to your life and your love and relationship and continued good health. Really, that's really what we wish for you. So true. Thank you so much. And thank you for your questions. They've really, I, a couple of times, you know, like I went, oh. I Hadn't thought very, about that. Very good thinking questions. Yeah, yeah. and it was lovely yeah. to actually have this experience because I think, you know, we both heard things from each other today that we yes. didn't know either. So that's that was very really- nice. That's good. I mean, that's part of Part of the reason, I mean, yeah, we're doing we're it. doing it. It's you know, I mean, I speak to mum multiple times a day, but we don't often sit down and have necessarily a deeper, meaningful conversation or get in depth about different things. And I think that's what ends up happening is you kind of start thinking about other things. Although I'm sure you had time to talk, you know, during chemo sessions and things like that. But even still, at least now you can kind of reflect back on on the time that you had yes and that's another silver lining of it really it's another it's another aspect that you don't expect that's for sure Mm. well thank you again stay safe yes and yeah hopefully queensland will stay yeah covid free yeah all the best thank you all the best to you and thank you again with you bye 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 Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you have a mother and daughter story that you would like to share, send us a DM on Instagram at Mothers and Daughters Pod. If you loved this episode, please subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss a new episode. Spread the love and share the podcast with your mum or sister or friend. Don't forget to rate and review the podcast. See you next week and don't forget to call your mum.